Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. It's so wonderful to be here today, and I want to take this opportunity before I begin to thank you for the prayers. Some of you know that I was down for a couple of weeks. I had Ramsey Hunt, the same thing that Justin Bieber had, which makes me kind of cool, right? (laughs) It didn't feel cool. (laughs) So the whole left side of my face was paralyzed, and I couldn't blink, and I couldn't swallow. And um, I was at kids' camp, and I was serving. We were trying to get kids' camp going. And so I couldn't go to the doctor. I was feeling absolutely horrible. Finally, when I just couldn't move my face, I said, OK, I'm going to urgent care. And um, they told me right off the bat that because I waited so long, that my chances of recovery grew slimmer, and that because of my age, I don't know what 30 has to do with it, but I mean, come on, really. But because of that, uh, my chances of recovery were, you know, okay, but there was a big possibility. But God, I can move my face, I can blink. And the two important days were the first Sunday, I was able to, to just move my face enough so that I could go back to kids camp a second week and get them started. Then I left after a couple days. And then last Sunday, I mean, I'm telling you, I couldn't get up, but last Sunday at around 11.20, I knew people were praying for me because from that instant to just the very next, my eyes started blinking and my mouth started moving and I really didn't have to do this. I mean, I would have to open my mouth to eat and I would have to do this to close it. And God, God, right? So I saw this and um, this meme, I don't know if it's a meme, but that's what I call it. And it just resonated with me and I wanted to share it with you. When I say that I am blessed, I don't mean material or money or material things. I mean situations that were sent to destroy me, but didn't even touch my soul, right? Because of God, because of God, because I had done all the research for this message and I had it all in my head and I had it all in my spirit. So when this hit me, I said, God, I know that you are with me. I know that you are present. I know you are with me to heal. I know you are with me. When I go to urgent care, you're going to be with me. When I go to kids camp, you're going to be with me. And the whole time I felt his presence. And a peace, an overwhelming peace was coming over me when people were coming up to me and looking at me and saying, oh, you must be so afraid. Oh, you must be so afraid. And I go, no, I had peace. I had peace. And not only did it not destroy my soul, but I would venture to say that it strengthened it and it strengthened my spirit and it encouraged me. And it just did something in my heart that transformed me so that I could be able to deliver this message today. Amen? So I have uh, the privilege of talking about the omnipresence of God. Uh, He's, you know, last last week it was omniscient. The week before it was omnipotent. Uh, The omnis is what we called it. Derek and I taught a lot of kids uh, junior Bible quiz, and we taught them the three omnis because there were three questions in JBQ that always got the kids in trouble. The three omnis, the omnipotent, right, Kyle? (laughs) Yeah, Kyle's one of our JBQ champions. Omnipotent, omniscient, omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing. 
He just knows everything. Omnipresent, everywhere at the same time. What more could you add to it, right? So when Pastor asked me to speak on the omnipresence of God, and Pastor always gives us months to prepare, I just kept going over, what else can I say except he's everywhere at the same time? What more could you say, right? So I, I, I meant to make an appointment with him to ask him, you know, hey, can you give me some tips or can you switch me off with Tyler? And I kind of almost tried to intercept Tyler's little uh, subject, but I, it, I never was able to. And I said, okay, Lord, since you're with me all the time, show me. And he did. So Derek and I were taking Cruz. Cruz is my grandson. And um, he's... Um, He's a little firecracker, but we were taking him to our other daughter to uh, go swimming. And Cruz is going to a Christian uh, preschool. And Cruz was telling us, um, guess what? I learned how to pray. And I was like, this pastor grandma is like, like really proud of that, right? He goes, we pray to our Heavenly Father in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit Bible, amen, is what he said. And I said, okay, that's good, that's good, right? Awesome, awesome. And then we have this game where I, we tell each other how much we love each other. And he says, I love you back to the moon. It's supposed to be to the moon and back, right? But I love you back to the moon. I said, I love you to heaven and back. And he said, do you know that my papa's grandparents are in heaven with Jesus? And I said, yes, I did know that. And he goes, and also Jesus is in my heart. And I was like, oh, it's just such a proud moment, right? Until he said, there are two Jesuses. <laughs> the one in heaven and the one in my heart. I was like, oh, he's polytheist. Oh my gosh. <laughs> my grandson, this pastor's grandson is polytheist, right? So I began to break it down. I don't know if you know our history, but Derek and I have taught kids for years, decades and decades, really. And we've been at kids camp. We've been speakers. We've taught kids pastors. So, so we know how to communicate with kids, right? So I got this. Grandma's got this. So I started explaining it to him and I broke it down. And then I broke it down through a three-year-old level and I broke it down and I explained it beautifully, I thought. And at the end, my grandson is still polytheist. He still believes there's more than one God. And I'm not as great of a teacher as I thought I was. And yet, Pastor has me up here, right? <laughs> he still believes it. And I, as much as I try to tell him he can be everywhere at the same time, it just was not computing. So where is God? Where is he? Where is he in your life? I just say he's here. He's here. He's there. He's everywhere at the same time. I know, I know, it kind of hurts my brain sometimes when I think about it. So many times we've asked a question, so many times we've all in this room at one time or another have asked, God, where are you? Are you even listening to me? Where were you when I needed you, God? If you're that God of mercy, if you're with us, where were you? And I would venture to say that at one point or another, we have asked some form of that question. And that's okay. The Lord doesn't care. But see, because the Lord is not constrained by a time or a place. He is everywhere. We as humans understand time one way. God understands it a totally different way. We as humans don't understand that we can't transcend from one place to another because we can't in our humanity. 
but God can. And in all his majesty, and is, he is all-knowing and undefined by human reasoning. He is able to transcend from the future to the past and in between. He is able to be in heaven and earth at the same time. He is able to be in heaven and in Cruz's heart at the same time. He's better than the internet. The internet, you can be anywhere in the internet at the same time with somebody else. God is more powerful than that. As I was at camp, I saw this girl named Daphne. And Daphne was um, a girl that I met about eight years ago. Eight years ago, she comes into the camp office, and she was just all distraught. It was Thursday night, the last day of camp. She was turning in her paperwork. And I noticed something in her, and my spirit noticed something in her, and I said, Daphne, what is going on? And she says, I got her to talk, and she says, you know, it's just one more camp, and I did not get filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and so I, long story short, I did what Angel does. I did not ask her if she wanted to be baptized. I told her. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so she started to weep, and we went outside the office, and there's two doors here. There's a space in between and two doors here. And right there, as they were tearing down camp, going back and forth, I prayed for her, and she was filled with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. She experienced God's presence in a powerful, powerful, powerful way. Eight years later, I saw her at camp again, and she showed me how much her life had changed. She was able to get the strength to move out of an abusive relationship. She was able to get herself together and finally realize that God, that God was with her and God was attainable. Because before that, she felt that God was not, she was not able to reach God. She kept reaching for him. She kept going. She grew up in church. She kept going from one camp, from one meeting, from one powerful service to another. And she kept reaching out to God. And she could never quite get him because she didn't think she was worthy. And so many of us, and I've heard so many people come up for prayer and say, I don't want to bother God with the little things. He's a busy God. He's got so many things to do, so many other important prayer requests. But here's the thing. Nothing is too small for God. God cares about everything. God cares about how many hairs are in your head. I don't even care about how many hairs are on my head, right? But he cares. He watches you sleep. He watches you as he's not the last thought on your, on your mind before you go to sleep. He watches you all night, trying to infuse you with some of his dreams. And he watches you in the morning when you wake up and boom, you get out the door or go on Facebook before you acknowledges him. But he's still there because God is everywhere. He is here. He is there. He is everywhere at the same time. But you know what? We can't seem to comprehend that with our minds. We just cannot seem to comprehend that because we tend to be like Cruz. Is there's the Lord that lives in my heart. There's the Lord that sits on the throne. There's the Lord that resurrected. There's the Lord that's in Derek's heart. There's a Lord who shows up and does wonders. There's a Lord that is fighting my battle. We tend to think that there's a different Lord for everything. And we don't realize that he could be there, here, and everywhere 
at the same time. You know why? Because with our human minds, we cannot seem to comprehend. You know why? Because we're not omniscient. We cannot seem to understand some of these spiritual truths. So before we move on, I want to pray. I want to pray that God would open up your heart, open up the understanding, open up your mind so that you can understand the full concept of what it means to be here, there, everywhere at the same time. Would you bow your heads? Father, we just open up our hearts to you. We ask that you would illuminate us, Lord. We ask, Father, that you would show us the concept, Father, of how you could be everywhere at the same time, Lord. Help us to understand the magnitude of your majesty and your existence and how you are able to do all those things and what it has to do with us, Father. So we release ourselves, Father. And I need you to picture him just being right there. He was there this morning. He was there last night. And he is with you right now. Father, we just acknowledge your presence here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever been in a room, you walk in a room, and the atmosphere is beautiful, it's wonderful, people are engaging and talking to one another, people are interacting, and lots of wonderful things are happening, and yet, nobody seems to notice that you're there. It's kind of like a movie, you know, everything around you is going around, and so much is happening, but, but nobody notices that you're there, like, I'm right here, right? When I was in my early 20s, I had moved to San Diego so that I could pursue further my education. And Derek was living like 10 minutes away, but he worked on weekends and I went to school during the week, so we hardly ever saw each other. And I really wanted to connect with the church. I was a, a really strong Christian and I, and I visited different churches. Do you know that I visited uh, some of the most powerful churches? There was at least five of them. I would walk in People would be engaging, people would be worshiping, the sermon was powerful, and not one person would say hello to me. And I would walk in, and I would walk out. It's, nobody knew that, that I was there. Nobody acknowledged, I was there, but nobody acknowledged it. And I felt like God was telling me, that's how I feel. That's how I feel sometimes. Nobody knows that I'm there. I follow them, and nobody knows that I'm there. How many times have we failed to acknowledge that he was there with us, that he is here right now, and he will be right there? How many times has he watched over us? How many times have we never acknowledged or knew that he was there? So today, I want to make sure that you understand, because see, when this happened to me, I knew that God was there. I said, okay, Lord, I know you're there. And it created in me a peace that I cannot even explain. When you acknowledge his existence, when you acknowledge that he is right there with you, your life will completely change. Sometimes it's hard for us with our natural brain to understand that he is here, there, and everywhere. Because some things of God need to be spiritually discerned. And I need you to remember that phrase spiritually discerned. Can you repeat that for me, please? Okay, I am a good teacher. See? Okay, yeah. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, 
But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And I underline spiritually discerned over here. In the Passion Translation, it says, someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's Spirit, for they make no sense to him. He can't understand the revelations of the Spirit of God because they are only discovered by illumination of the Spirit. Some things you just can't understand with this. You have to understand it with this. Amen? When you step into that level, when you stop trying to figure it out here and figure it out in your heart, that you don't have to have all the answers, your life will be transformed. You know, the song that they sang, 139, that is a scripture that I'm going to read to you in a little bit. But I want to tell you that uh, when Pastor talked about people that needed to come back, God had spoken to me earlier this week, and he didn't know it, to really focus on the prodigals. And to tell you that no matter how far you run, you're not outrunning him because you cannot run him. Wherever you go, he's going to be right there waiting for you. The Bible says in Psalm 23 that he runs after us with goodness and mercy. So if you run from him, guess what? He is with you as you're running, and he's already there when you get there. And then he's following behind you with goodness and mercy. So you're making God work overtime, right? He's already there with you and already there when you get there. And he's following you with goodness and mercy because he is not going to let you perish. And he doesn't care what you did. He's not the God that comes and judges and says, I don't want to be with you. I'm going to separate myself from you because you were bad. No, it's when he draws closer to you. He follows you with goodness. He follows you with mercy, ready to forgive you. You cannot outrun the presence of God because he will never leave you. Prodigals are some of the most unhappy people. You know why? Because when they asked Jesus to come in their heart, their spirit became alive to God. So God is never going to stop running after them. God is running after you. He's with you. And he's already there at the same time time because we serve an omnipresent God. So I've seen that prodigals, they, they drown themselves with drugs sometimes, with alcohol, with whatever sin to try to drown the voice of God, but they can't. And when they fall, they fall really hard. And then God is right there to pick them up with a, without condemnation, but with hands of restoration. You can never outrun God. Take Jonah. Jonah was a prophet in the Old Testament. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and pray for repentance to the people. And God, Jonah thought he could outrun God. So Jonah ran to Tarshish. He went to Joppa, but his goal was Tarshish. And he wanted to go there because it was not a godly city. So he felt, now Jonah was a prophet. He should have known better, right? But when you're running from God, you're not thinking straight. So he was running the total opposite of where God told him to go. But guess what? When God saw Jonah's plan, guess what he did? He started making provisions for him already to provide a way out and bring him back. 
He didn't set up a, a, a case against him and tell him all the things that he did wrong. No, he was right there with him, protecting him. When the seas were roaring and there was a threat that he might die, that they would be capsized and he would drown, when, when he was in the midst of disobedience, in the midst of disobedience, God was already devising a plan and a way out for him. Yes. Prodigals, if people, if you're running away from God, he is already providing a way out to bring you back. And he is never, ever going to give up. He is going to run after you. You know how long he's going to run after you? Until you come back and sit at your rightful place and become the person that he originally wanted you to be until his purpose in your life is fulfilled. He will never stop running after you. That's a God we serve. There are three dimensions to the omnipresence of God. The first one, to the presence of God. The first one is omnipresence, which I've been talking to you everywhere at the same time. Here, there, everywhere, at the same time. Lord, I pray that you would help them to comprehend that. So what does it mean when we say, if, he, if God is already with us, what does it mean when we say, oh, God really showed up last night? Oh, God's glory was there. Oh, God was present to heal. Oh, my goodness, God's presence was saturated the place. What, what does it mean? If, if, if he was already there, why do we say God showed up? Because there's a difference between the omnipresence of God and the manifest presence of God. See, omnipresence, he's always there. Manifest presence is when he moves to do a specific thing, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit. If he's omnipresent, why don't we feel him? Because we need to practice it and acknowledge that he's there. I have to tell myself and I have to practice, God, I know you're with me. And acknowledge that he's there. And when I do bad things, he's still there. So don't confuse the omnipresence of God with the manifest presence of God. This language, you know, um, there's sin in the camp. That's why God's presence left. Um, God showed up because he really follows God and God showed up. Yes, God shows up for a very specific purpose. The omnipresence is always there, but the manifest presence is the one that lifts. It comes in for a specific purpose, and it goes back when it's done with its purpose. We also have the indwelling presence. That is the deposit that happens in your spirit when you get saved. When you get saved and you ask Jesus to come in your heart, you have the indwelling presence. 2 Corinthians 3.16 says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He could have picked Israel. You know, some people think that God is in Israel, so we have to make a trip to Israel to see God. The Holy Grail is there. And while it, there is an anointing in Israel, God, is, God chose to live in you. He could have gone to Aruba. He could have chosen different Jamaica, but he chose to live in you. When you do bad things, he still chooses to live in you. That is what the indwelling spirit is. He's indwelling with us, and he makes us aware of the omnipresence of God. He makes us aware that God is there. So when we, become, when we come aware of the omnipresence of God, 
and his indwelling spirit, we make a way for his manifest spirit. And his manifest spirit is in addition to being everywhere at the same time. You know praise and worship when you feel the Holy Spirit moving? That's the manifest spirit. And then it lifted because we got to get on to other things, right? When pastor was speaking about people that needed to come back, that was the manifest spirit operating in this place. We can live with a manifest spirit as much as we want. So it is the tangible reality of who God is, is what the manifest spirit is. He comes and he does a work in you. He comes and he moves so that he could accomplish certain things. He comes and I will tell you in a minute how that manifest spirit really worked and changed and transformed my life in a way that I can't even describe to you. Psalm 51.10 says, and this is why we think, well, maybe God left me. Because David, he had just committed a great sin with Bathsheba, and then he killed Bathsheba's husband, and the sins just continued. And when he became repentant, he wrote this psalm, and it says... Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. So what does that mean? Is God omnipresent, or can he cast, away, cast me away from his presence and take his Holy Spirit from me? See, back in that day, we, they did not have the indwelling spirit. They only had the Holy Spirit come upon them so that they could be able to do certain things. Holy Spirit would come upon David so he could sing and bad spirits would leave so he could conquer the enemy, so he could do all these enormous uh, feats. Holy Spirit will come upon David, uh, upon the prophets, so that they could do what God had called them to do and then they would leave. That's what David was talking about right there. Take me not away from your presence, O God. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. It's talking about the manifest presence. But the omnipresence of God is with us at all times. He said, restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. He says, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. And I say that sometimes too when, uh, when he, I know he's trying to move in the place and some people are resistant. And we say, God, take not our Holy Spirit from us. And that's why pastor sometimes says, God, we give you permission to move. That means we're not resisting you. We want you to move in this place. I'm going to tell you a story that I'm not really proud of. It's a story that happened in my early uh, 20s, and it, it just kind of brought it back into my memory when pastor was talking about that driver that was following him around and, and because he cut that driver off. So that brought it to my memory, and it was just lingering and lingering. Um, when I was uh, in my early 20s, uh, Derek, well, he, we got, he had just gotten married. He moved me from beautiful, beautiful, did I say beautiful, San Diego? Check this out, to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I have forgiven him. I, I think I have forgiven him for that because God really wanted to do a work in me. So as I'm going to the mall, to the Boston store, it was, it was called the Boston store. How many of you have heard of the Boston store? Was that just a, yeah, a Midwestern kind of thing? So I was going to the mall. It was a little bit less um, cars than that. 
but it's going to the mall, and of course I'm find, I, I need to find, if, if you look, it's not that far, the parking's not that far to walk, but I had to find prime parking in the front. This is before handicap spaces. I had to find it in the front, because I wore four-inch heels, spiked heels, and, and, and I needed to save my miles, you know, and I, I needed to look good while I was at the mall, so I needed to park in the front. So I just kept circling and circling, oh Lord, get me a, a parking spot, circling, and I finally found a spot somebody was pulling out, and that person, I, I was patiently waited and waited and waited because that person was just taking their time, you know, getting out. Finally, I patiently waited, and the car is coming out. And I'm there, oh, finally, but you know, I waited so patiently, and I'm about to turn in. Somebody comes around, speeds up, and takes the parking spot from me. And that's not the only thing. She looked at me and went, mm hmm. And I don't have, didn't think I had anger issues, but an indignation arose in me that I didn't know where it came from. You know, sometimes when you're bumped, the, whatever's inside of you is what's going to come out. And I never realized, because I, I was really into myself, and I really thought that I was a really good person, right? But God was wanting to purge me of certain things. And an indignation arose from within me, and, I mean, I was a justice girl, and I always fought for justice for everybody, and today I was going to fight justice for myself. That woman needed to know. She needed to know. She needed to be taught a lesson, right? She needed to know. And I was a self-appointed person that was going to teach her that lesson. So I let her park, and I went all the way around, speeding, and I parked my car. I waited for her to get out. No, I didn't park my car. I waited for her to get out, and made sure there was nobody else around, and I revved that engine of that really old car, and I hit the brakes, and they screeched, and I hit the horn so loud, and she screamed and moved out of the way. There was absolutely no way I was ever going to run, run over her, but I wanted her to think that I was. She needed to know. She needed to know, right? So... So she looked at me, she ran almost, she almost fell, she looked at me, and I looked at her, and I gave her the same look she gave me. <laughs> and inside, I felt my heart doing this, I felt God talking to me, but I was drowning it out with that indignation, with that justice that I needed to serve, and I went back, and I sped, and I just parked the car, and I ran after her. And God was running after me. He was already there waiting for me, but he was running after me. Speaking to my heart, speaking to my heart. And I ran into this girl, and she was shopping. And I stood there, and I said to her, and I am not proud of this, but I said to her, next time, I'm going to really run over you. And as I did that, I can't even explain what happened, but as I did that, first of all, there was a fear and a trauma and a brokenness in her. I mean, I just wanted to teach her a lesson. I didn't want her to be traumatized. I didn't want fear or terror to strike. I just, I just wanted justice. 
And I saw the look on her face, and I'm telling you right now, I can still remember it 40 years later. I saw the look on her face, and this fear and terror that was on her face will never leave my memory. She ran. And instead of saying, yeah, you run, I, I didn't do that. Guess what I did? I ran too. I ran to my car, and I wept, and I cried. Because see, God never leaves you, even when you're being bad. And the indwelling presence of God in me, and the omnipresence of God, turned into a manifest experience that changed my life forever. Right there in the parking lot at Boston Store, in that old brown Chevrolet that we had, I had a life-changing moment with God when His manifest presence came and filled that car. And I sat there, and I wept, and I wept, and I wept, until God transformed my life. And people wouldn't believe that I would do that today. I would never do that today. You know what happens? And in fact, it happened last week. When people steal my parking spot, when it's snowing and really bitterly cold outside, and they take my parking lot around Christmas, if you want it that bad, you can have it. There's not a bit of me that angers. People cut me off in line. My rights are not that important. You go ahead and you take it. You cut in front of me in line, Go for it. You cut in front of me at when, when Ruth has the parfait over there at the cafe, and you cut in front of me? Go for it. I have never, 40 years later, I can tell you, I have never been angered by somebody taking my spot, cutting in front of me, or interfering with me in any way. The other day, there was a car, and they were like, Oh, I'm going to turn here. Oh, no, I'm going to turn here, signal here, jerk the car back. I'm going to turn here and drive you really slow, and I was in a hurry. I mean, I needed to get somewhere, right? And they're just jerking and jerking. And I said, oh, Lord, they're probably try they're pro they probably have ways who's driving them nuts and telling them, go this way, go this way, go this way. And I said, Lord, help them. They had New Jersey plates, and I said, help them get to where they need to go. Help them, Lord. And don't let anybody cut them off and threaten to kill them, you know? <laughs> My life was changed in his presence. And I pray that whatever it is that you have, that you will be changed in his presence too. And I want you to remember that no matter what you've done, no matter what sites you visited on the internet, no matter what you've said to somebody else, he was right there next to you. He was right there next to you. And he didn't leave because he was disgusted with you. He stayed because he was waiting for you. And those times when you felt like, God, where are you? I don't know where you are. He's right there. In your confusion, he is there. When you are confused about something, you know you can go to him. Psalm 73, 2 says, But as for me, I, lost, I almost lost my footing. I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. 
Confusion comes to the mind when we are not spiritually appraised. When we are not spiritually discerning things, of course we're going to go with our natural mind. And then, so he was almost, he was so confused with everything that was going around him. But then Psalm, uh, verse 16 says, when I pondered to understand it, this was troublesome in my sight. It was driving me crazy. I just could not understand it until I came into the sanctuary of God. Then I perceived their end. See, that woman was puzzling me. I was so angry with her. But when I came before the presence of God, I realized that my rights were not that important. Never did I ever want to inflict pain like that on anybody else just because I needed to be heard and I needed justice. The word spiritually appraised, just remember that. When you come into his presence, he will give you the power and open up your eyes and illuminate you so that you can see things from his perspective. From that point on in that car at Boston store, I began to see things from a spiritual perspective. And it wasn't about me anymore. It was about what God wanted. That moment, I had the ability to show her grace, to show her love, and I chose the opposite. And this is why I'm such a grace giver now. Because God forgave me of that and transformed my life, and he can do that with you. Sometimes dark moments expose the darkness in your life. My darkness was exposed on that day. Some dark moments are there to make, her, make you stronger like it did this last few weeks. It is part of the big picture, and we don't know it. But Isaiah 43, 2 says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep you or sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, and the flames will not set you ablaze. He didn't promise you that you didn't have to go through the river. He didn't promise you that you didn't have to go through the fire. He promised that he would be with you. And you will not get burned, and you will not drown, and it would not overtake you. Sometimes we have to go through those moments to get to where you need to be. I've had this testimony that I've never given because it's Derek's testimony, but honey, and I didn't check with you because you were asleep when I left. <laughs> but when Derek was 19, um, he had just finished his first year at the University of Wisconsin. And uh, in August of that year, his mom passed away. He was so close to his mom. And she passed away. And to get away from the whole situation and the whole environment, he, decided, he called his coach, and his coach says, I have a couple of colleges in California. Do you want to go out there? And he said, yeah. And he presented him with options, and he picked the hottest place, like Phoenix weather, agriculture, where there's a lot of cow stuff, you know, that the heat just even bakes it even more. And he stepped in there, and he did not know why he was there until his first day of sociology class with Mr. Hoover Suchek. And I was looking for a guy named Derek Cannon, and he told me his name was Derek Gunn, and I thought he said Cannon. So, <laughs> so we started talking, right? Um, he would have never left the University of Wisconsin for a small junior college in California. But this dark moment that he went through, he went through it, but since then, 
Derek was offered a position in television. He wasn't even looking for it. So he went from this really tiny station to Philadelphia, the third largest market in the United States. And that would have never happened if he had not experienced that dark moment. Um, he lost his mom, but then God gave him me. And um, I want to think that it's a good thing. And we build a life together, and I wouldn't be standing here today and being the woman of God that I am, were it not for my husband who supports me, who doesn't care that his wife is a pastor. He's encouraged, he's been on, by my side, and he's pastored with me in all the years that we've done that. Derek's ex experienced this really dark moment in his life, but it brought him all these blessings because he did not dwell in the darkness. He looked up, and he sought God, and he married a godly woman. So see, God can turn these dark moments in your life. When it first happened to him, he couldn't see the whole picture. He couldn't see that he was going to interview some of the most famous athletes in the world. He's interviewed Muhammad Ali. He would never tell you because we never tell people what he does for a living, and we never talk about it. But he's interviewed great people like that. He never thought that when his mom passed away, that God was going to give him all this. Because he's a humble guy, he doesn't let things get to him. But God took that dark moment and brought him to this. Embrace the dark moments. Embrace the dark moments. Because when dark moments come, that's when he is closer to you. Our founding father, well, uh, the founding father of Bethel Church, Bill Johnson, says there are aspects of his presence that you can only experience in the valley of the shadow of death. Three days after his wife, his beloved wife, Benny, died to cancer, this was a quote from his sermon. He preached a sermon three days after his wife died, Bill Johnson. God is not a vending machine that I get to put a quarter into and withdraw from him what I want. He chooses what he gives. But it is the wicked at heart that say God didn't do that, what I wanted. He is a liar. May I never be found critiquing God when things don't go my way. May I always be found having a heart ready to be critiqued by him. Is God my friend? He is. But he is my Lord first. And I'll never have the pain that I'm feeling right now in eternity. So in this moment, as I'm feeling this pain, it is a privilege to respond rightly to the Lord of my life with a deeper trust and devotion. I will bow before the Lamb on the throne in awe and worship Him forever. But never will I have to f have the face-to-face -face chance to do that while I'm in pain. So in this moment, I choose to do that. When I said just yes to Jesus, I gave up my right to fully understand or be in charge of my life. In our darkest hour, He is ready to show up. Psalm 23 says that we can walk in the valley of the shadow of death. And while we're walking in the valley of the shadow of death, he's already preparing a table before us in the presence of our enemies, choosing vindication and restoration for us. But it is up to us 
to practice the presence of God. It is up to us to acknowledge his presence and say, okay, Lord, where are you taking me? When you become aware of his omnipresence, it will change the way you live and the choices that you make. That happened to me 40 years ago in the parking lot of Boston Market. You will learn to spiritually appraise things. Are you aware of God's presence in your life? What are you doing in his presence? What are you watching? What are you listening to? Who are you engaging with? Is he the first thought in the morning and the last thought? I encourage you, practice the presence of God. During the darkest moments of our life, he is ready to prepare a table in the presence of our enemies. He did that for Derek. He'll do that for all of us. He will perform the most spectacular feats. He will reposition you. He will restore you. And he will th turn things around for good. So I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what river you must cross, what mountain you might have to climb, or what fire you have to go through. But don't run away from them. Embrace them. Those dark moments and those dark hours will turn around, I guarantee you, and they're going to be far better than they've ever been. There is no situation or condition that he can't change in his presence. So when I was at camp, and that hit me, my, I couldn't blink my eyes, so my eye was constantly watering. I was in a great amount of pain, and we had to get stuff done because there was a lot of darlings, little darlings, screaming. My ear was very sensitive because of that. It affected my hearing. It affected my vision. And um, my eyes were constantly watering. So right in the middle of camp, at one point, I just broke down crying. And nobody knew I was crying because I said, I figured my eyes are watering anyway. They're not going to know I'm crying. So I just sat there and I wept. And the presence of God just enveloped me in such a way. It was such a dark moment in my life, not knowing if I would regain use of my face. But that presence of God was so strong, I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade it. I don't care how dark those moments were. I would not trade them for experiencing the presence of God in such a mighty way. Friends, would you stand up with me? I don't know if you're running away from something like Jonah did, from doing the will of God. I don't know if you're engaged in something that you need to let go of. Or perhaps God just wants to change your course a little bit and you're just resisting because you kind of like where you are. I don't know what God is doing in your life. But he wants to know that he's right there with you. And when you run into somebody else's arms, he wants you to know that his arms were open so that you could come to him. So I want to tell you today that his arms are open. And I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward and uh, just leave the middle part open here. And I want you to run. 
I want you to run. Run to God. I mean, he's already with you, but just run here. His manifest presence is ready. Is ready to do a move in your life. His manifest presence is longing to move in you. It's time to come back home, prodigals. It's time to give up your rights and say, God, I am so sorry. I've been trying to do things my way. I've been trying to create justice. Just come. Just come. We are here to pray for you. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.